Hey, welcome to Lakeview Sermon of the Week. We're so grateful to have you here, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. I'm excited for this word. It's been burning on me, um, and I think the whole team here at Lakeview, we've been pondering this matter. We've been noticing different messages around the same topic around discipleship. And with our Sunday series and our Wednesday series of the Forgotten Ways, they have just gone hand in hand. And aren't you thankful for a pastor that yields to the Holy Spirit? Seriously, it's, it's, it's rare. It's rare to find a man and a woman of God who love the Lord, who love the Word, who love organization and order and serving and hospitality, but also love yielding to Him more than anything else. Yielding, yielding to him. So this is something that has kind of been on my mind. And did you guys enjoy my husband's message Sunday? I did. I really did. For as fantastic as a communicator that we have in Pastor Matt and Emily, he is my, Cody is my favorite preacher. I am. I am. I'm a little biased. So, but he, he taught a message on uh, keep saying yes and the cost of discipleship. And um, I just feel it's kind of like a flowing thought and conversation that we've been having with each other, with the Lord and our whole team. And in this house, it's just been, you know, themes popping up around what this means to be a disciple of Christ. <clears throat> in a very thoroughly spiritual way, but also extremely practical because they go hand in hand. We are spirit, you know, but we want, I want to break it down a little bit for you tonight in talking about the effect of encounter, the effect of encounter. Well, ta-da, that was beautiful, James. Thank you. (laughs) Beautiful. Uh, So the effect of encounter And we'll talk about what that really means, the word encounter. We throw that word around a lot sometimes in our our churches, our Christian culture, you know. But I want to speak to you if you got saved today, yesterday, or if you've been saved and walking with the Lord for 50 years. I really feel like the Lord is going to speak to you individually tonight as we have this conversation and some challenge to see about what the effective encounter has had in your life. And then us as a body, because we are a body. We are many members, one unit. It depends on all of us to create the culture that we desire here. You want to go to a church that's on fire for God? Get on fire for God. You want a church that worships freely and radically? Worship freely and radically. You want a church that is dedicated to the integrity of the Word of God. Have an integrity about the Word of God in your life. You are the church. We are the church together. So the effective encounter. I'm going to be in Acts chapter 4. Excuse me. Continuing on. Um, We've been in the beginning of Acts uh, for the past couple of weeks with Pastor Matt. Um, And so he 
charged me with going into Acts 4. And he said, you can talk about whatever you want. But I was like, I'm not negating away from this, <laughs> this series because it's just too good. And so I hope that just kind of uh, the thoughts that I have around this and what I feel like the Lord has revealed to me in the chapter will serve you tonight. Um, but we're going to be in Acts chapter 4. And we're going to read verses 7 through 22. And then we'll get into it, okay? All right. Excuse me, my voice is kind of weak tonight. All right, let me turn there with you. Acts chapter 4, verse 7 through 22. Okay, context. Peter and John have just healed a man who had been crippled. He was over 40 years old in the community. Everybody knew that his... um, he, he had this disability, and so when the miracle happened, it was very public. Everybody knew this man has changed. A miracle has taken place, and it's by the disciples of Jesus in the name of Jesus. So the religious authorities, they arrest them, and they bring them before them, and they start to question them, and that's where we'll pick up in Acts 4, chapter, I mean, chapter 4, verse 7, Okay. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown for a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all of the people of Israel, bold. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. And then this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw... Y'all, we just stay there. Oh, Lord. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and conferred together. What are we going to do about these men? They asked, everybody living in Jerusalem knows they've done an outstanding miracle and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from happening or spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them again and commanded them not to speak or teach in the name at all of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. (laughs) What an answer. (laughs) For we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For this man who had been miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Wow. Y'all, the Bible is exciting. <laughs> Anyone who hasn't, uh, says the Bible is boring, have you, have you read it? <laughs> There's like tent pegs and murder <laughs> in the Old Testament. And then there's miraculous uh, uh, happenings and great comebacks in the New Testament. <laughs> Excuse me. So I, I just want to highlight and, and park on this verse tonight in verse 13. They were astonished and took note that these men had been with Jesus. 
They were religious authorities. They had been trained in uh, the Pentateuch, the Torah, since they were from birth. But these men, who did not have the formal training, were suddenly responding in ways that were referencing prophetic uh, things about the Messiah to come that had been fulfilled in Jesus. They spoke with boldness. They spoke with courage. And they had noticed. They, they were astonished because they had been with Jesus. What I want to ask you tonight and challenge you with is this. What evidence does your life provide that you have encountered the living God? Can we just pause for a second? No shame. This is a shame-free zone, okay? Shame is a paralytic spirit. It will stop you from doing the will of the Lord. So can we just take off the, oh, does my life have any evidence? No, I'm challenging you with this. Look and examine the fruit of your life. And if you are not satisfied, ask for more tonight. Ask for more. This is the challenge. This is the invitation. What fruit do you carry that comes from walking with Jesus? What effect do I have because of the effect he has had on me? If our discipleship ends with a meeting and a service, if we subconsciously believe, because we wouldn't admit it, right? If we subconsciously believe that we can only worship, hear God, or commune with him in this kind of setting, you have been lied to. It's a religious spirit that tries to control. Listen, the ecclesia, the Greek word for the gathering of the saints, the church, the body of Christ, is here to edify, equip, and is critical for the life and the health of a Christian. However, discipleship is a daily occurrence that must yield thoroughly spiritual and extremely practical results. Thoroughly spiritual, extremely practical. That is the life of a disciple. Supernatural real supernatural and real so when we say the word excuse me encounter what are we talking about what are we talking about okay let's break it down it's moments when you are acutely aware of the reality and the presence of God it could be moments of revelation when you're reading the word when the light bulb comes on right like, oh my goodness, I understand. I'm having an encounter with the Lord. He's telling me things and he's revealing his word. You might be soaking in testimonies and sharing in the fruit of others. You might be generous in a moment of the goodness of God just comes on you and you have this reverential awe about you. Encounter with God. Signs, wonders, miracles, prophetic words, times where we intentionally seek his face and we actually see him and we actually hear him. Those are encounters with God. Many times we have physical sensations that come on and we call them manifestations of when the spirit of the Lord comes upon you, you might cry, you might shake, you might fall out. These are things that happen because we are under the power of God. They're not scary things. And the spirit of the, project, of the prophet is subject to the prophet, right? We have the fruit of self-control, right? But whenever we release control and we yield to him, the degree of yieldedness will affect the degree of our encounter with him. Does that make sense? So 
Someone sitting very still right here can be having a miraculous encounter with God, maybe more than the person who's doing jumping jacks. It's beautiful about the variety of the encounters we can have with him. Because if we expect that God will only move whenever I do this or I do that and it becomes a formula, he usually hops out of that. (laughs) He wants to be understood. But the mystery of God, the human mind cannot comprehend all of it. So I would just challenge you tonight of, you know, someone who might look super expressive in their worship can have the same level of encounter and hearing the voice of the Lord of someone who might be very reserved. It does not mean that the reserved person should not step out and expand their posture of worship and praise. And it also does not mean that the person who is more naturally expressive cannot quiet themselves and be alone with the Lord. There's variety. There's variety. He is in the wind and he's in the whisper. I love being a Pentecostal. I do. Y'all, I was raised in Assemblies of God preacher's daughter. And my grandfather was a missionary. And on my mom's side, they were Church of God. Believe very similarly, right? Any Church of God in here? Yes? No? We're all AG? Okay. (laughs) So... But it's all, they believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today, and they expect manifestations of the Holy Spirit in miraculous ways, encounters with God in a corporate and individual setting, right? Corporate meaning together when we gather. <laughs> Side note, there was, I was watching a Q&A one time, a live Instagram a clip of it, and someone had asked, do you need a business license to engage in corporate prayer? Y'all, it's so precious. And they were like, and they were trying not to laugh so hard. And they're like, no, when we say corporate prayer, (laughs) we don't mean like Forbes 100. We mean like together, a community, corporately. You do not need a business license to worship the Lord. That, I guess, was just funnier to me. It's fine. (laughs) So anyway, you know, I want my life to be full of encounters. I want to experience the manifest presence of God every day. That is what is available to me. I don't have to beg God to show up or to speak. I don't. He's here with me right now. He's with you right now. He's in the room. Our job is just to become more aware to him, of him and to yield. To lay down our false senses of control and to say, Lord, whatever you want to do, I'm in. I'm in. This is the promise that we will have encounters. We will live glory to glory. In 2 Corinthians 3.18, can we put that up there? Excuse me. 2 Corinthians 3.18, but we all, 
with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. That's the King James Version, but NLT says this. So all of us who've had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of God. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. More and more like him. Glory to glory. The effects of encounter should make you more like him. Emily and I, Pastor Emily and I were talking this week. And she said, and I hope I'm not stealing a revelation. She might preach on this later. Just pretend like you've never heard it before. (laughs) But she would say it to each and every one of you if we got in this conversation that she said, I used to say that you cannot come into the presence of God and not be changed. She goes, but that isn't necessarily true. People can come into the presence of God all the time and walk away just the same. Because they do not choose to yield to him. They may not choose to obey the Lord. You think about in the time of Jesus, thousands of people flocked to him. And that number got smaller and smaller and smaller as it came to the end because they realized what the cost was of saying yes. If you want to continually encounter Jesus, it's going to cost you some things. Lifestyles. Choices, words, choices that would only benefit you, I will say. But to choose a life that is laid down before him. To choose a life that generously gives of yourself to him and to others. So in context, 2 Corinthians 3 is talking about Moses who had supernatural encounters with God in the Old Testament in the same way, like David, Moses was able to peer into what the new covenant makes available for us right now. An unveiled encounter made possible by the blood of Jesus. That's what we have. But Moses's face would literally glow when he came down off the mountain and he would cover his face with the veil. The glory, the light that was on his face was fading. And I was talking about this here. So how often... Do we settle for an encounter with God, which is undeniably glorious, but then we walk away and allow it to fade? This scripture is teaching us that your light does not have to depend on every mountaintop experience, but that your dependence and encounters with God are a part of the covenant in which we now live daily. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 8 says, shouldn't we expect a far greater glory under the new way that the Holy Spirit is now giving life to us? If the old way, the the old covenant brings condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the new way which makes us right with God? The glory of God, experiences we have with him, encounters should be making us more like him. Since this new way gives us such confidence in verse 12, we can be very bold. Peter had boldness and courage when questioned. He had encountered Jesus. He had been walking with him for years. He had paid attention to the rabbi. So 
what are the effects of an encounter or what should be the effect of an encounter in my life? Because I think oftentimes we don't steward these well because, and I'm speaking to myself here, we have a dream, we have a vision, we get a prophetic word, and we're like, that was awesome! Bye! And we forget about it. We need to be recording these things. We need to be writing them down. We need to be remembering them to remind ourselves about the faithfulness of God and the glory of God and what's actually possible in our lives is far more and better than we could ever imagine. So the effects of encounter, the first thing that it does is that it unites us to him. This is the most important, that you would be united with God, that your identity in Christ would be so fortified in these moments with him that whenever you go through suffering, whenever you go through persecution, whenever you go through whatever it is, that you can look back to those moments and remember the same glorious God who was there is here with me now. This identity piece of this is who I am in Christ and this is who he is and this is our covenant. That he is with me that he is with me and he is for me. That he is for me. We were created to have uninterrupted communion with God. Face to face, personable, real. The first encounter man ever had with God was in the garden. And he said he breathed the breath of life into his nostrils. You got to get real close to breathe into someone's nostrils, <laughs> right? You got to get up close, intimate. God breathed life into Adam's face. That was the first encounter. He could have just spoken and said, let there be cows like he did with the other creatures and said, awesome, it is good. It's beautiful, it's good. But no, with man, he chooses to be up close, so close that it makes the angels jealous. <laughs> listen, listen, that same access that Adam had, Jesus has restored to us. There's a scripture that says that no one may see the face of God and live. Well, we have been crucified with Christ and we are resurrected with him. So if we are dead to sin and alive in Christ, we may also see the face of God. How far will you let yourself imagine what that means? I felt chills. That's it. No, go further. Go further. There's a whole world that opens up whenever we understand the reality of Jesus. And for a little bit, you might feel crazy. <laughs> don't act crazy, but you might feel crazy. I'm not I'm talking about act crazy. Don't be immoral or weird. 
But there have been times in my moments with the Lord alone that I realize, I'm like, what is happening right here? (laughs) Thank goodness that the blinds are closed and the neighbors can't see. That if someone had a security camera in here, they would call the police and be like, is Jesus, I mean, is Julie okay? <laughs> What's happening? Someone check on her. Sorry. Don't be afraid to approach him. Don't be afraid to ask for more. Hebrews 4, approach the throne of grace in confidence, and there we will receive mercy. Approach the throne of grace and confidence, and there you will receive a slap on the hand. Approach the throne of grace and confidence, and there if you ask for a fish, he will give you a snake. Approach the throne of grace and confidence, and if you ask for bread, he will give you a stone. If we know how to give good gifts to our own kids, how much more generous is the Father with us? There you will receive mercy. He gives generously. Find out how good he is. Find out how real he is. Find out what he thinks, how he interacts, how he speaks, how he moves. And never be satisfied or let your curiosity dull about him. I want to be more curious about Jesus and wonder of him progressively throughout my life. I am so thankful for the word of God, which is our foundation. It is here that the nature and the identity of God is revealed, that the character of God is shown and expressed. But let me tell you, we will never figure him out fully. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. I want to be so in awe of Jesus, and I do not want my curiosity to dull about him. I don't want to think that I've seen it all. I've experienced it all. And when you grow up Pentecostal, sometimes that's a temptation. I've seen it all. I know what's about to happen. I've been here a thousand times. Can we actually come into a worship service or come into our own personal prayer time without having his hands tied of this is how things are going to go subconsciously? This is what I expect you to say. This is how I expect you to move. This is what I think you're going to do. And there's nothing wrong with having expectations just because we get to know God. But when you say... This is it. No more. I've experienced the height of it all. That is so sad. Glory to glory. We are going to see more signs and wonders and miracles in the latter days than we have ever before. I believe this. As we wait for Jesus to make his return, there are going to be amazing amounts of salvations, mass salvations, mass miracles, healings. You want to know something that's on my spiritual bucket list? I want to see someone raised from the dead. 
You know that's what's going to be required of me? First, faith. Faith. And then it will be required of me to go and to lay hands and to pray. One may seem harder than the other. I have faith for this. Go pray for them. Oh, (laughs) but Lord, I'm scared. (laughs) It's happening all over the world. We hear testimonies now of like, you know, Brazil. There have been many testimonies of people being raised from the dead in revival services. I want that to happen in America. I want there to be an open heaven over every church, whether they want it or not. <laughs> so effects of encounter, we, they, they unite us to him. They fortify our faith. They bond us with God. There's a history that's made between you and the Father. There's a history made there of, oh, I remember when you spoke to me. I remember when I felt your hand. I remember when I fell out underneath the power of the Holy Spirit and nobody even touched me. Nobody pushed me down and I didn't do a courtesy fall. But it was you. It was you. Your body just goes weak underneath the awe and the raw emotion of realizing how good he is. There are marking moments that we will have. I think about Jacob when he wrestled with God. And there was a pastor, I can't remember who it was, but he was famous for saying, I don't trust a man who doesn't walk with a limp. And we're like, yeah, what's that mean? (laughs) (laughs) Me either, pastor. (laughs) But he's talking about someone who has wrestled with themselves and wrestled with God and they have made the decision that he actually is who he says he is and that encounter has marked them and they walk differently. There are marking moments that happen, have happened, will happen in this house that have happened, are happening, and will happen in your homes, amen, in your cars, in the school drop-off line, at McDonald's, hallelujah. (laughs) I'm making fun of myself. But there are marking moments (laughs) that unify us with him, that create this history between you and God. Another effect that encounter should have on your life is to strengthen your witness. Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will shake and you will praise your hands and then you will go home. That's fun. That's wonderful. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. You will witness This is part of why the Holy Spirit comes upon us is to spread the good news of the gospel throughout the entire earth.
Peter in Acts 4.8, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he began to speak with them, to, with them with boldness and courage. They were uneducated, ordinary men. They may have not had the formal education, the degrees, the trophies of a life spent in a classroom, but they had walked with the living word. They had walked with him. And in turn, what overflowed was a life that was full of the power of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, and the gifts were active in their lives. They were able to answer the accusers as the Spirit enabled them. If we remember in Matthew 10, Jesus is sending the disciples out. He's activating their ministry. And he says, when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. And at that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Surely those words must have resonated in their minds as they approached the Sadducees. They had allowed the investment of the spirit they had yielded to, and they had yielded to him enough that there was a point where human words and wisdom stopped and God began to speak through them. Some of us have not given him the opportunity because it requires your partnership with him. Open your mouth. <laughs> Spend time with him. Yield to him. Learn him. Don't be afraid to talk about him. Don't be worried about what to say when they have questions. Can I tell you what? Maybe it is for some of us, maybe not for others. Impart the courage, honestly. But doesn't it feel awkward sometimes if you're like, you bless somebody, you're like, Jesus loves you, and you run away. <laughs> Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. <laughs> and you just are like, you can be awkward about it because you don't want to make the situation weird because you think everybody knows about Jesus, and if they're not in the church, they've already told him no. That is not true. We have people in America, we have people in Hot Springs who have never heard the gospel. How irresponsible would it be for us to assume that people have hard hearts and are never ready to receive him? What if you were put in their path at just the right moment in time where they were ready to receive the gospel? That they had a tender heart. You have no idea what happened that morning where they probably had the thought, I wish somebody would just pray with me. Or maybe they're at a point in their life where I wish somebody would just invite me to church. There's so many in town, I just don't know where to go. There are plenty of wonderful, fruitful churches, but I'm talking to our Lakeview family here. Invite people to come and hear the word of God. Most times, I think... What we get afraid of is that we think that we're going to get in a conversation and there's going to be this apologist debate and we're going to get schooled by an atheist or something, right? And you're like, I'm just not ready for that. I just don't know the list of things. I just don't know the answers to all of the questions. Do any of us? 
Most times, people aren't looking for a theological answer. They're not looking for a pamphlet of 10 reasons why. They're hungry for an encounter with God and they don't even know it. So us as the people of God, will we be the torch? Will your life be the testimony? Will your words light the way home? One of my favorite tools of evangelism is prophetic ministry. Who's ever received a prophetic word in here? Who's ever given a prophetic word in here? Awesome. All of us are called to prophesy. That's what Paul says. And we can talk more about what that means later, but, you know, I've been in, you know, stores or something where I just feel like this person, I keep passing them, I keep passing them, and I'm just like, it's probably not a coincidence. We probably don't have the same exact grocery list. (laughs) So maybe I should pause and ask the Holy Spirit if he has anything to say to them or anything to say to them and if I should participate. And <laughs> there was this one time that I was, in, I was in Walmart. I had already put the kids to bed, and I was like, I just need to go pick up a couple things. And I went there, and, and there was um, a gentleman who, was, who had been doing that. We had been passing each other in the frozen foods aisle, up and down, up and down. And, you know, my first reaction is not, I should pray for him. My first reaction is, why is this guy following me around the store? <laughs> I'm a buried lady. Leave me alone. I got pepper spray in my purse. <laughs> but no, because he kept looking at me weird. And I was like, what? <laughs> what do you want? And finally, he, I'm just like, look, I'm like, hello, good evening, hello. And he stops, he goes, I'm so sorry. But I just want you to know um, um, that God sees you and that God loves you. And I feel like he, he told me to tell you that. And he was so nervous. And he got the biggest smile on his face. I did. I got the biggest smile on my face. I was like, I said, oh, you're prophetic. And he said, I guess so. (laughs) And I said, good job. He said, what? Like, it's not, it's the last reaction he probably thought he was going to (laughs) get. He probably thought he was going to get cussed out or like, okay, great. Thanks, Kai. Go away. But in that moment, I realized it probably was there for me that the Lord was, was using me to teach him courage to speak out. Because if you fail, you fail. But at least you try. But I was like, yes, go pray for people. Do it. Do you want a word? Let me ask the Holy Spirit real quick. We'll trade. Trade words. So it just, it just is fun. It just is fun, you know? So a lot of people aren't looking for you to fix all of their problems or answer all their questions, but they're just hungry for an encounter with the living God. Because one encounter will open the door for the gospel. It will open the door for a life changed. The effects of encounter will happen. But are we obedient enough to partner with him? Have we received the fire of God enough that it's shut up in our bones that we can't help but talk about it? 
This doesn't negate our responsibility to know the word, teach the word, know the ways of Jesus so we can disciple people in that way. But we cannot divide in all of our intellectualism his spirit from his truth. We have, you know, some cultures of the church and kingdom that are completely dedicated to, you know, know the word, know the word, know the word, know the word, and then know the word. And if it didn't happen to Jesus, it won't happen to me. He said, greater things will you do in my name. And this, hear me, we are absolutely, the word of God is infallible, integrous, tried and true, okay? But then you have the other sects of the kingdom who are, you know, encounter, mystery, and they haven't opened their Bible in six months. (laughs) Spirit and truth. Open yourself up enough for it to go past what you think should happen of him and be tethered and rooted to the word of God so that you will be able to discern when it's him. That you know him, you know the living word enough that you will recognize him when he walks in the room. You will be able to discern between the two. Does that make sense? This is, it's the same thing I was talking about of people who are very reserved and the people who are more naturally expressive. There's a pendulum that swings a lot of time and there's balance that I believe that the Lord is bringing to his body. I want you to have incredible encounters with God that might not make any sense of why (laughs) you're having the encounter. He always brings understanding. And he brings the fruit about it. So effects of encounter, another thing that happens is that encounter should bring forth fruit. Okay? It should bring forth fruit. Many times, we crave the encounter, but we have no appetite for the fruit. You want the power of the Spirit, but if you have the fruit of the Spirit, eh, that sounds boring. Sunday school, kids talk about that. I should, it doesn't matter. I just want the power, but you have no love. I just want the power, but you have no self-control. You have no gentleness, kindness. If we are really encountering God like we were designed to, which is a daily occurrence, it would be what he calls abiding. Remaining. Abiding, abiding. John 15, 5. Can we put those verses up there? Jesus is speaking. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Let's skip to verses 9 through 11. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. And when you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. How do we know if we're remaining? We're obeying. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love, I have told you these things that you might be filled with my joy. And yes, your joy will overflow. Christianity is not boring. 
His presence is not boring. If you think it's boring, you're boring. <laughs> I don't mean to sound harsh. Maybe I do. I'm just trying to wake you up to the reality of Jesus, that he's actually really fun. <laughs> and you can't put him in a box. Verse 16, I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit, this fruit that remains. If we are only nice on Sundays and Wednesday nights, if we are only worshiping on Sundays and Wednesday nights, what effect has this encounter actually had on you? When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. It's not event to event, it's moment to moment. It's breath to breath, it's glory to glory, it's day after day, it's being faithfully aware of the presence of God and our ability has given us to interact with him. And it's also obeying. If you want results, if you want fruit, it comes about because of obedience. When we sing things like, I give you my all, Jesus, we're not just talking about, I give you my all in this moment. We're talking about, I give you my all when I really wanted to say that, but I knew it was unkind. And then he digs deeper. I really wanted to say that, but I don't want to think like that about them. I want to think like you think. So I yield myself to you. I give you my all. It's not just, I give you my hands lifted in my song. Those are important. But listen, it goes far past that. Far past that. Encounters feel great. It's awesome. I love when the Lord moves in active, fun ways. Pruning does not always feel that way. It does not always feel great. <laughs> but what if we reframed our idea of encounter that it's not only moments where we get chills, but it's also in the molding and in the cutting away of things. That an encounter with God will sometimes involve his discipline. That the gardener is here with his shears. But are we, I'm not, the fear of the Lord is the reverence of the Lord. It's the recognizing that he is way bigger, way stronger than we could ever think or imagine. But it does not mean that I am afraid of my dad. It does not mean that I am afraid to approach the throne of grace. I approach the throne of grace in confidence. So, what if we reframed encounters with him? It's not instead, it's also and moments of we experience the presence of the Lord in a mighty way and he moves upon us. And then the next day we encounter him in his correction. And it is the same God who moved mightily upon me then and is moving mightily upon me in this moment. So my attitude should reflect the same type of worship, the same type of gratefulness, and thankfulness, even if it doesn't feel good in the moment, because I know that it's for my good. 
I know that it's for my good. If an airbag goes off, you might get bruised in a car crash. But if the airbag goes off, it's to keep you safe in the vehicle. These bruises hurt, (laughs) but at least they were there because it guarded me. It guarded me. Can we really count it all joy when things come our way? If we understand the reality of his presence with me, yes, we can. (laughs) Because he's good and he's kind and he's happy. God is in a good mood. Did you know that? That might offend some people tonight. That's okay. If the fruit of the spirit is joy, it comes from the spirit. It's part of him. Shouldn't God be joyful? He is good. He is kind. So, sheep, bread sheep for their wool. Um, if they're never shorn, the weight of it will, call them, will cause them to fall over and not be able to lift themselves up. Because, you know, I looked this up because I'm like, sheep in the wild, like how, how come they survive year after year of their growing wool? But genetically, the ones that are kept in captivity are, are yes, there we go. Some of y'all walking around like this sheep. <laughs> you have to look twice. What is that thing? A giant dryer lint ball. What is that? If the wool is never shorn, the weight of it will cause them to fall over, not be able to lift themselves up, and their chances of heat stroke increase in the summer. And then in some cases, if it's too heavy, because that's, I saw another reference picture, and it was like 37 pounds. That's probably more than that. It would literally crush their chests and suffocate them. If year after year, the wool just keeps coming. But the shepherd, we so resist it. We resist it. We don't want that kind of encounter. We don't want that kind of experience with God. I want the chills. I don't want the correction. I want the awesome loud music surrounded with my friends. I don't want the moments alone where I actually have to choose if I'm going to serve him or not. We don't get that luxury as disciples. We don't get that privilege to act one way one day and pretend like it's all good the next. There's grace. Again, there is grace There's no shame, but the purpose of encounter with him is to create this history and this trust with him. So whenever the shearing tools come your way, are you understanding that he's a good father who is not in this to punish you, but he is in this to save your life. He is in this to teach you how to have a life of abundance with him, to really show you what's available We are so afraid to throw off the weight of things that hold us back, to allow God 
to discipline us in this way that it's crippling us. When you go to the airport and who has experienced the shame of the Delta check-in table when they're like, your bag's two pounds overweight. You cannot board this plane or you're gonna pay me 75 extra dollars <laughs> or more. <laughs> Y'all, it's ridiculous. So you get your suitcase off the scale unless you waited at home, and if so, you're better than me, okay? So you get your suitcase off the, sale, the scale, you open it up, everybody's seeing all your stuff, and you're like, the hairdryer can go in the carry-on bag, but I'm not sure, it kinda looks like a gun, am I gonna get in trouble for that? And they're like, just get out of the line, just get out of the line, you're holding everybody up, right? It's just embarrassing, you're like, all of my stuff is everywhere. There's a reason that there's a weight limit especially when you're on the little puddle jumpers. I remember we took a small airline from Dallas to the Hot Springs Airport one Christmas, and Cody, my husband, I'm telling on him, he's terribly afraid of heights, um, does not like roller coasters, doesn't mind flying, but this was a different type of experience. <laughs> Whenever you can talk to the pilot and tap him on the shoulder, <laughs> be like, how much longer is it, sir, ma'am? And it was very windy coming in that day. And I'm looking over, and this is a couple years ago, and so I'm like, wow, my hometown, I can see it. Like, God sees it from heaven. Look at the lakes. And Cody is just having a panic attack in the seat next to me. <laughs> but even in those smaller vessels, the weight limit is so critical because if you have too much weight on the back, the nose will dive up and whenever you're trying to um, incline, it will literally tip you backwards and you will crash. Most crashes, unless it's like engine failure, and Faith can correct me on this, Faith's awesome, she's becoming a pilot, um, happen within the first 90 seconds. And it's usually because of weight and balance. Throw off every entanglement that you may run the race that you may run the race. And the wonderful thing about encounters is that's usually what happens that in his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's in those ways where he's like, you see my glory, you see my goodness, would you mind if I touch that thing now? Would you mind if we had a conversation about this? Are you ready to make the decision to say no to that and yes to me? But the temptation is that there are things in this world that are gonna draw us away from his side, or so we think in our minds, that make you forget about what happened between you. We love a wedding. Marriage, huh, hard. I'm not saying that, I love my marriage. But I'm saying it's hard work. We glorify weddings and we say, shh, we're in marriage counseling. <laughs> Glory be to God if you are stewarding your relationship well and remembering your vows that we would also glorify the hard yeses, that we rom romanticize not only the mountaintop experiences, but the everyday choosing and remembering the promises of God and the promises we made to each other. 
that is a life that I want. We have a tendency to forget. We have worries. The thorns that choke out the word, the seed of the word planted in our lives. Spiritual warfare is a real thing. Pray over yourself. Pray over your friends, your family. That we would have ears to hear and eyes to see. I don't want to walk away from an experience with God unchanged. I'm not satisfied with that anymore. It's too shallow. It's wonderful, but I don't want him just tonight. I want him in the morning. I want him every day. Daily bread. Daily bread. I want people to see and be astonished and recognize that this person must walk with Jesus because their life and the fruit of their life reflects that. The power of God, the fruit of the Spirit. I want the compassion, I want the miracles. I don't want one without the other. And thank you, Jesus, that he's promised us both. Would you stand with me? I want my life to tell the story of the reality of the power of Jesus. I want signs and wonders to follow me. I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to bless you. You're welcome to come up here and worship. But I encourage you, when you get home tonight, to put the kids to bed or do whatever you need to do in your nightly routine, would you turn your gaze towards him again? And acknowledge him. Because he's there. And he's waiting. There are some declarations that I want to, if we guys could repeat after me, just declare these, prophesy over your life, pray over your life as you say them, okay? My life must provide evidence that I have encountered the living God. I will carry the fruit that comes from walking with Jesus. I will affect my environment supernaturally and with the fruit of my life because of the miraculous effect he has had on me. Let's lift our hands and pray. You too, pray too. Ask the Lord for more. Ask the Lord for encounters. Lord, I ask that you would give dreams and visions to every person in this house. I rebuke the lie that people can't hear you. I rebuke the lie that other people just get better portions of you and then I don't. I call it out and we bind it in the name of Jesus and I loose the reality of Jesus that he is with you and his spirit longs to be upon you and inside of you to move mightily. That there is room at the table to feast with him.
And thank you that we don't get leftovers. (laughs) Daily bread. Daily bread. Lord, that you would make us disciples of you, that you would give us grace for our yes. Lord, I pray, Lord, that the Spirit of God would come upon every person in this house, that they would speak your word boldly and with courage, and that people would be astonished and must say that these people have been with Jesus. And I pray, Lord, that you would break off any lie of inadequacy tonight, that you would break off any lie of, I'm just not fit for this, I'm just not called to this, I'm just not this or that, Lord, but that you would bring the truth of God, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us and guide us into all truth and remind us what you said. And I thank you for every son and daughter in this house who longs to experience you, that they who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled will be filled that you are generous God that you are a generous dad we ask you for more and we ask you that you would just fortify this history that we're making with you now and that we've made with you in the past. And we thank you for the plans and the future that you have for us, good things. Holy Spirit, come and fill up every person in this house. Baptize them in your spirit and with fire. Teach us to yield to you, Lord. Teach us to yield to you. We love you, Lord. You are good, you are kind, you are strong. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. Our hope is that these messages will help you on your journey of discovering who Christ is and who you are in Him. You can learn more about our ministry at lvahs.org or follow us on Instagram at lakeview.hs.